have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You got to touch. You have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You got to be possessed with the dream. The dream. Yeah. What's up, guys? Welcome to Straight from the Chest. My name is Justin Groth. Guys, this is my personal development podcast. If you're new, welcome. If you've been listening to me for any length of time, welcome again. And thank you for your constant attention. It means a lot to me. Man, I uh, I have to tell you this. Like I, I, I tussle with actually telling this story because uh, I'll just I'll just preface it with I'm a Christian so I I understand it but okay let me just tell you what happened so I am at a local beach where I live and I'm walking along the beach and I got coffee in my hand it's this morning and I come up to what looks like a person on a ledge and he's he's talking about God, but he's reading out of the Bible. So he's not necessarily talking about God. He's just reading passages out of the Bible. And at first thought, I'm like, man, that guy's got some balls. Because not only is he talking on a ledge, he's talking on a ledge with a speaker that's going out to the public that that's eating and having conversation amongst themselves. You know, he's doing it outside of where there is patio decks of eateries and people, again, like I said, people that are conversating, that are meeting with family, friends, and just, and this is on a Saturday, so it's something, obviously, they want to unwind and people like to go to places to unwind and be social and gather and conversate. So he's, at, like I said, at first glance, I'm like, man, that guy's got some balls to be doing this because he's alone and nobody is around him. Nobody's gathering around him and listening to what he's saying. And Again, he's just talking out of the Bible. So he's just reading out of the Bible. There's nothing really compelling about it. You know, there's, I mean, the Bible in and of itself is a magnificent story or stories. And we obviously attribute them to how we should live our life. And if you're a Christian, you believe in the word of God. So all that being said, and again, I am a believer and I am a Christian and I do practice in my own way, but I still practice, you know. I can see how this is something of notoriety and, and and nobility and honor that he's doing this. But a, a quicker glance at this person or a longer glance rather, and it turns out that I know him. So I know this guy and it even made it more impactful. Like, wow, man, I can't believe you're doing that. That's so awesome. And so I, I pass by him because he's reading, he's in depth to the, to the dialogue and I'm just, I'm just a passerby. So I go home and I'm thinking about what I saw 
amongst other things, but I'm thinking about it and I'm just, I can't help but think like as much as I want to just, I, I, again, the first thought was, man, this guy's got a lot of, a lot of audacity, but good audacity to be able to do that. And I can never do that. I can never get up there and do that. And he's, he's sharing the word of God. One thing I understand about people, and I know that I'm sure he understands as well, is that if you talk at them there and with something that's just language from a manuscript that you're reading, it's not going to be real relatable. You need to talk to them, not at them. And another thing is you're doing so. And again, I'm not, this is not me coming down on this guy. I, I dig what he's doing. But I think there's a better way to do it is what I'm saying. Instead of doing it on a Saturday morning when people are enjoying their time being social and gathering, you're imposing your loudspeaker on their otherwise um, otherwise nice social hour. And he's doing so without your permission. Now, he has the right to do that. But is it appropriate? And even though he's talking about God, is he talking to you about something that you can relate with that's going to cause you to want to listen? He's just talking out of the Bible. He's just reading from the Bible. And again, he's doing so on a ledge with a loudspeaker. So he's imposing his views, whether or not you believe in God or not, and this is someone... This is coming from someone who does. He's imposing his nature on your social hour. And there's nothing you can do about it. The more I think about it, the more I think he's a narcissist. And I'm not saying that as if I'm calling him a bad person. I'm saying it as a, as a means to, or I'm saying it rather because that's really what this illustrates. Again, you imposing your, your beliefs, which is fine, but you're doing it on a wide scale and you're doing it at an hour, projecting your vocals loudly to people that are trying to enjoy their time. Now, you could say, oh, well, they need to hear this because everybody's a sinner and we all, okay. But at the same time, people that want to hear this, they seek it out. And some who don't, maybe they're not ready, but it doesn't mean God doesn't have his plan for them. And God doesn't know how to, how to course them and that God doesn't know how to attract them. But the thing is, is that the thing I can't get on board with is you imposing your, your specific narrative on someone else's free time when they're trying to enjoy their family, their friends, and you're doing it at a place of tourism. You know, I understand it takes balls, but how much of those balls are narcissistic in nature? And how much of that is then is there to compliment you? You know, God wants you to obviously extend things to people, but he doesn't want you, I don't believe, he doesn't want you to do it so you get all the praise. And you do, you should maybe do it in silence, right? It's more about what you do in silence. And so 
this isn't a podcast about this guy. I just wanted to tell you about this because it kind of goes into where I'm to where I want to lead. The thing is, is that with this particular guy, I know his heart's probably in the right place, but I am somewhat, I'm somewhat jaded because I know him personally. And even if I didn't know him personally, he's still on a ledge with a loudspeaker with nobody in front of him reading text, imposing his set of set of structured beliefs, which are fine, which are what I believe, on everybody in the public that's trying to have an otherwise comfortable social gathering. So I don't understand where the good is. Because I, I mean, I can, I can pretty much presuppose that everybody that hears that, even if they are believers, because I know I am, and I know if I were sitting eating, I would be hearing this thinking two things, man, he's got balls Two, when is he going to shut up? And that's, that's someone from again, who's a Christian. I, I keep prefacing it because I want you guys to understand that I'm not against this, but I am against the nature that activates it. And I'm trying, I'm contending with what is the actual nature that's implicit in this individual. Is it, is it from a narcissistic standpoint or is it from a just pure and honorable and noble standpoint? If that were the case, I think he should have gone about it like this. He should have sat there and he should have put a sign up, which he had, I will give him credit. He had sign up that said, you know, take a Bible put the sign up and sit there. When somebody comes over and some and, and they seem interested, talk to them personally. Do it one-on-one. If you gather a crowd, you gather a crowd. But do it one-on-one with the intention of changing one person or encouraging one person because you don't understand how that propagates. One person is what it takes. And so many of us are trying to collectify the masses with what we think we're in, we're we're titled entitled to do so with and really we're not we don't even we we should not we should not we should not presuppose that we're that we're smart enough or intelligent enough to sit on that grandstand yet and talk to somebody who's not listening and say things that they may not be interested in when we haven't even done it on a low scale yet and maybe, or maybe he has, but if you understand the impact you have with one person, you're going to keep doing that. You're not going to try to get on a ledge and make sure everybody hears you when you obviously know who it's attracting. Nobody, at least not when I saw him. And I'm not saying that you stop there. You don't, you don't just, you don't give up, but I, I am, I, I'm asking you to, I guess, what do you think? I mean, when somebody's invading your personal space is that going to attract you to want to listen it's much more effective if you have a silent treatment instead with a sign that says Jesus saves Bibles free Bibles come talk to me that's all you got to do come talk to me and talk to one person start talking and encourage one person. And again, that's going to propagate. That's going to be a driving mechanism towards change. 
but too many of us want to start with the masses and we're not ready yet. And I'm not saying he's not ready, but I am saying most of us are not ready. And most of us want it now. We want to affect people now. We want to impose our views now. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with imposing. You should impose. But when you're ready. And chances are, when you think you're ready, you're not ready yet. You still got hours and hours and hours of research and time to put into your craft before you're refined enough to be able to bring it to the public. I'm not saying don't try to still bring it out to the public knowing that you're not ready yet, but don't be audastic and arrogant about it. There's something to be said about that as well. And it, again, these things can be viewed as somewhat narcissistic. And I mean, everybody's got narcissism in them. Everybody, everybody has a little bit of narcissism in them. Everybody has a little bit of it, not to a large extent to some with some, but some yes, some others no. What I'm trying to say is if you allow yourself to, if you allow yourself to, to stop when it's, when, when you think like this isn't something that's going to make a difference, well, then you, you, you effectively cut yourself short. I think that you need to keep going, but I don't think you should be so arrogant about what you're doing. I think you should work in silence and collective and collect these these man hours these, these so to speak that obviously attribute your mastery or they rather they contribute to your mastery i know that there's a there's a basically a saying or it might be even researched that it says it takes 10,000 hours to have mastery in something 10,000 hours so if you were to just i did the math on this if you round it out to eight hours a day, just a regular work day, eight hours a day, and you times eight hour, or I'm sorry, you divide eight into 10,000, it gives you something like 1250. Okay, so 1250 divided by 365 is gonna be 3.4. So obviously no one's gonna work seven days a week, eight hours a day. Some may work seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Some may work five hours, twelve five days, 12 hours a day. Okay, you get my point. If we just round up and say, okay, four years, four years to become a master in something, provided you didn't stop and you went, let's say, five days a week, eight hours a day, weekends off, four years, four years, that's it. I can tell you, when I started personal training, four years in, I was still a dumbass, still a dumbass. I look back to what I did when I was four years deep and I couldn't understand how I even had clientele. I was a fucking moron. I mean, you know, in my regard, I was a moron. Maybe to somebody else, I wasn't, but definitely wasn't no master. Definitely didn't have a mastery over the body, over movement mechanics, etc. And I know trainers that are the same, that are four years deep, that are still dumbasses. That should not be, should not be awarded the payout that they are rewarded. What is that? What am I trying to say? It takes more than four years to become a master. It takes, I believe it takes more than 10,000 hours to become a master at something. Unless you're, a, you're consistently trying to evolve the process for those 10,000 hours. 
and you're only doing one thing because there's, there's, you can, you can learn, you can learn a vocation that has multiple, multiple components that are attached to it. Or you can learn how to make something, one thing in the CNC machine and make that thing so well and spend 10,000 hours on that one thing. You're a master at it or you're a master at working the CNC machine. You're a master at it. But that's one component that you can't not, I don't believe you can scale the same trajectory with one thing that you develop a mastery on as opposed to a a vocation, I said vacation, a vocation that you have multiple facets that are associated with and you have to learn multiple facets. There are obviously differences. There's obviously a juxtaposition to be, to be, uh, to be noted. But most of us, most of us, we either do one or two things. We want the instant gratification. So we don't want to put the man hours into the process to learn it. And or also we think we're entitled. So this is something that should be given to us. It should be made easier. This there's some, there's some out. There's some, or there's some loophole. There's some magic pill. There's some thing to take something that causes you to to scale the trajectory faster and most of us do not want to adopt the fact that it's not that way that it just takes time and that if you quit you're never going to get to where you could go that's it it's very simple it's very very simple but you have something that you have this something that can have the ability to be something that you leave a legacy behind with, something that produces a livelihood for you, something that is so important and paramount to your DNA and your your identity rather, but you're not willing to just put the man hours in to become a master at it. And the thing about mastery is it's, it's pretty it's pretty funny. Mastery doesn't give a shit if you think you deserve it. Mastery doesn't give a shit if you don't want to put the time into it. Mastery doesn't give a shit if you don't have the responsibility and the discipline associated with responsibility to carry this process out. It's there for the taking, but if you don't have those other elements, you will never see mastery. So 10,000 hours, more like 10 years. It's more like 10 years. Some people can do it maybe sooner than 10, maybe eight, nine, it's more like 10 years, maybe even plus. It's a long time before you actually master, you can call yourself a master at any craft, provided there is multiple components to it. And it's not just one thing. Like again, I use the illustration of working a CNC machine. But it's just insane. It's insane and stunning how most people just give up they just give up because they don't want to put in the effort. And if the problem with that is they don't have anything that's worth the effort. That's where the major underlying is. You don't have anything worth putting the effort into. Therefore, it's easy to opt out with. And it's it's something that if it doesn't give you meaning and it doesn't provide purpose and it doesn't provide a sense, a sense of reciprocity of, associated with it, 
then you're going to easily give up on it. You're easily going to, you're easily going to just drop the entire process, but it's got to be something that you deem so important that if you stripped yourself of it, you would strip a part of your identity away as well. And this could be something that you're not even that far-fledged into yet. But there's promise to it. There's so much promise and there's so much excitement to it, even though it's work. And when I call it work, I mean it requires discipline and repetitive, laborious intensity behind it. But that's everything that's worth anything. That's everything that's worth anything. So obviously, I'm not going to tell you the, 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 the rudimentary behind it, which is if you give up now, you'll never see what you could be. That's so fucking cliche. But it's true. If you're giving up now because it's not happening the way you thought or because you feel like no one's paying attention or you feel like no one's going to buy your product or you feel like what you're doing is so far the other direction from where mainstream is heading. It's like, you're never going to, you're never going to make it. And I don't want to tell you you're right. You won't make it because you already know that's going to come out of my mouth. You already know I'm thinking that you have to be okay with, with charting un with, I'm sorry, navigating uncharted waters. You just have to be okay with that shit. And you have to be okay if you're the only boat in the water. And that's hard for a lot of people. That's hard for me to do. I know it's hard for you to do. But if there's no pure, genuine drive behind it, meaning you don't, there's a reason why you're doing it and it's pure and it's authentic, then it's going to be easy to drop from your life because it's not tethered to your heart. It's not tethered to your conscience. It's got a, it's got an externalized gratifying component attached to it. And sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes money isn't enough to make you do something. Not at least noble or honorable worth. It's not enough. Money's fine to have a measure of money behind while you're doing what you're doing, but it cannot be the driving factor. There has to be other components at play, like how you think about this particular thing. If you will die for this particular thing, if you would stand up and contend for this particular thing, if it is a part of who you are, if it's what you believe in, All the things that are basically religion or spiritually bound. But if you can't tether yourself to this particular element and it's just money derived, it's easy to relegate yourself from this process. And it's easy to to just pick up and do something else. But when there's something to be said with people that that focus on the, on the one thing that they can't live without. And it's that thing that gives them purpose and meaning things that I've spoke on a multitude of times. It's going to be hard to give up on something when it's attached to your identity. 
And also, when you know that it's something that could benefit others and you know it's coming from a pure state. And I know that's so easily said and it's easy to, to, to receive that and it's it should be easier for people to digest that but it's most often not because most people want instant gratification and most people think they're entitled to something that's not theirs or they don't have to work for. And work could mean a lot of things. Work doesn't have to mean you do shit with your hands. Work could mean constantly thinking and trying to evolve who you are. And that could be in your communication, your relationships, your knowledge base, psychologically, etc. It could also be how you extend contribution to the people around you. That's still putting in hours. Because effectively you're sharpening your tools. But if you stop doing that, or you think it's not worth anything, then of course it's easy to just fall back into the to the dire depression that was once who you were. And I call it depression. It's not really depression probably for you, or maybe it is. But I would argue that most people are a depressed version of who they could be if there's no meaning in their life. And the meaning gives them purpose. And it surrounds them with opportunity that seems aimless, or I'm sorry, endless. But if you don't pick up on that and you don't adopt something that requires you to give that attention towards and it's something that is meaningful to you and you deem so important, then it's going to have a rippling effect in your life, not only with what you're doing for your for your your means of, of legacy and your means of, of vocation, but in your relationships, in your friendships, in your in your quest to be a better human. And that's in part why even if people don't necessarily believe in God, for those that don't believe in God, that's why the Bible is such a good tool to have because it shows you the ways that you should be a good person, which help you to develop a great moral landscape. But that's not me. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's you don't believe in God and you you take what I just said with regards to a, a high moral landscape and you apply that in your life and that's good. That's better than not. But I just, the difference is I do that and I attach it with God. And I know that that's what this gentleman was doing too on the ledge. But I feel like he was doing it from a boastful state or a look at me type of you know framework i hope i'm wrong but i know even to get there even to get to that point you have to have hours under your belt hours and experiences under your belt for you to be palatable to somebody else Again, I don't want to say that you shouldn't impose who you are on the public, but I think there's a right way and a wrong way to go about it. And even when you're doing it the right way, you still need to be indulged with hours and hours, years of constant refinement 
And the great thing about this is the process doesn't start when you reach mastery. You just become a different human being. And that should be the goal. Because you were already crafted differently. But you need to effectively create that process. And the only way you do that is by collecting the hours. Done.